Zanino. Middle, middle. That a boy. He, he, he got it. He, he it got deep. it. We're going he got home. it. Mike Zanino <laughs> just walked off Minnesota. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Speed out there, pitch. Deep drive, left center field. Giddy up, baby! Go! A home run for Mitch Hanniger! Hey guys, welcome to the Soto Mojo podcast. Uh, this is not Colby Patnode. We're switching things up a little bit today. Uh, this is Ty Gonzalez, co-site expert of SotoMojo.com. And uh, today I am with Colby Patnode. Uh, Colby, say hello. Hello. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're looking to uh, talk a little, you know, Mariner baseball uh, you know, we've been doing this for uh, for quite some time on a consistent basis now, and uh, you know the off season's uh, coming up, and it's starting to get pretty exciting to be a Mariner fan. This is, you know, with Jerry Depoto at the helm, it's honestly the uh, the most exciting time to be a Mariner fan. Which, you know, depending on how you look at it, is kind of sad, but uh, you know, it's fun to always talk trades and free agency and everything. And the World Series is going on right now, so that means that. Uh, all that's about to uh, get underway. Um, so, how are you feeling, Colby? About what? <laughs> Just, you yeah. know, the payroll, the, you know, because that's all great, right? Yeah. Um, we're going to talk in a minute about a big uh, project we have at the website. It's our off-season plan. Um, and we'll get into like specific details on that anyways, but basically a bunch of the contributors here are trying to play Jerry DePoto and they've been given a strict budget of no more than $175 million to, uh, kind of work a entire off season into a few days of thought. Um, $175 million might sound like a lot, but when you factor in all the arbitration guys who are and all the guys who are getting raises, the Mariners would be at 163 million, give or take. Um, And so basically the Mariners are at a position where they need a catcher, a first baseman, a center fielder, a left fielder, a couple starting pitchers, a couple relievers, a better utility guy. And the Mariners are, going to try and fill all those holes with about $15 million, which means I have to try to fill all those holes with about $15 million. And you can't do that because the Mariners are idiots. You can't, it just, and by the way, 175, that is probably at the very high end of what the Mariners are willing to spend because the ownership is cheap bastards who keep telling us they want to win, but they don't. You cannot say I want to win and then say, well, if we if we keep Nelson Cruz, that's all we can do in free agency. That's the ball game because you can't trade for the cheap guys because you don't have the farm system to trade for cheap guys. You need impact, and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to try and get excited this winter over the signings of Nick Hundley and you know Lance Lynn and be like, oh, that's going to put them over the top. No, it isn't. You need AJ Pollock. You need Bryce Harper. You need Dallas Keuchel. You need these guys, these impact guys, and you won't do it because you're cheap that if you spend the money and lose you'll lose money get over yourself you're a major league baseball owner you don't buy a baseball team to turn a profit that's so stupid you buy it so that you can win it's a toy you need to start treating it like it is a toy and i'm so sick and tired of sitting here and as i'm working on my plan trying to come up with oh well i guess that the mariners spend you know 
X amount here. They can't spend X there. So now I got to go try and find a four a catcher on a team that's, you know, got three good ones. And I got to try and figure out a trade for that guy because I have to get excited that some no name in double a is going to come up and be, you know, the Mariners saving grace, a catcher, or I got to go try and find a Ben Gamble instead of talking about the guys I want to talk about, like Michael Brantley and AJ Pollock, because the Mariners are cheap. They're so, they're so full of it. They're not, they're not trying to win. I think, yeah, I think like the one argument that you can make is that they have spent the money, but they it, it's just that previous management spent the money so poorly that they're now just handcuffed. Um, you know, and and but you know when when you say that you need to uh, end a postseason drought, you know, um, giving thirteen million dollars to someone like D. Gordon uh, doesn't work. Um, it's it's just so stu- you can't because you yeah. can't say that I want to end the postseason drought. That's my only goal. And then stick with the same payroll that you have for the last four years when that hasn't gotten it done. Yeah. And what's worse is they're even lying about that. I want to make the postseason. No, you don't. You said for the last three years, your goal is to be an 85 win team and hope a couple things break your way and you can slide into the playoffs. That's not a goal to get into the playoffs. That's a, that's wandering the desert and hoping that you find something good. The Mariners are a ship without a navigation system, hoping that they run into a win down the line. And it's just so good. Invest the money, invest the money, go get Bryce Harper, go get Dallas Keuchel, go get anybody to energize your fan base, maybe accidentally make the playoffs once in a while and watch your attendance and your ticket prices and your level of interest across the entire Northwest rise and rake in the cash. It's so stupid. You cannot be, the Mariners cannot be a playoff team spending $170 million. They can't. They can't. They, they just cannot do it. They're already at 162. You maybe get a little creative and you drop that down to 150. Congratulations. You can go get one impact player. You need three or four. And you're not going to push the payroll above 170 ish, 175 maybe. The payroll should be $200 million or bust. Let's go. Either that or you need to get off the pot and you need to start rebuilding because it, it's so st- the Mariners are in a great position to rebuild right now and yep. they won't do it because they're afraid that they'll be irrelevant. Guess what, guys? You pretty much already are. I mean, people turn away from you the second the Seahawks report to training camp. You can't outdo Seahawks training camp and you're worried about being irrelevant. Come on, spend some money or rebuild and stop lying to us and saying we want to win. We want to win. No, you don't. You want to be relevant long enough that you can turn a profit and that's all you care about. And if it isn't, then rebuild or go get somebody big or shut up. I'm so tired of it. So the Mariners finished uh, the 2018 season 10th in uh, payroll um, out of the 30 MLB teams. Um, A similar market to theirs with uh, the San Francisco Giants. They were second at 205 million. Um, So it's, it's doable. The, uh, you know, John Stanton, uh, you know, and his ownership group, they're not strapped for cash. They can uh, greatly increase payroll. Um, but they have the money. Yeah. But if they spend it, they might not, they might lose money. And it's hard. It's just, for me, it's hard to see the Seattle Mariners outspend the New York Yankees, the Chicago Cubs, the LA Dodgers, um, and any, you know, reality. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's, it's kind of what's necessary because not what Jerry DePoto's regime did, but Jack's Jack Zarenzik's regime did. And, you know, giving, uh, these extremely long-term contracts, to uh to their star players well into their 30s and you know even with Cano into his 40s um and that's you know that's hindered them you know obviously they're going to get Felix off of the books next uh, off season um they're you know they won't get uh Kyle Seager off the books until 2021 or 2 and Cano comes off the books after 2023 yeah, that's a long time from now, and they, and they claim to uh, to want to win right now and build a team. You know, Jerry Depoto and Scott Service mentioned that there's four teams 
that are ahead of them, and that's the Indians, Astros, Yankees, and Red Sox, and they want to build a team that can compete with those guys and enter their uh, their space. And um, the team that they currently have uh, doesn't do that. You know, it's they're not close. Yeah, and it's not close. And you know, there there are teams that are are in um, the Mariners tier that honestly are in a better position than they are. The Rays are in a better position than they are. The A's are in a, are probably in a better position than they are. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, the, the Mariners, the angels might be in a better position than the Mariners are right now. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, well, I'm just saying, man, the difference isn't that big. And if you're saying you want to chase down the Yankees, yeah. but you're barely running away from the angels. You're not even close. I haven't watched a minute of these playoffs and thought, yeah, the Mariners are right there. They they could do this. They could. No, no, no. Yeah. And the just, only team that I legitimately saw that the Mariners could beat this postseason, Well, two of them are the, the Indians and the A's, um, or at least that they could have given a good series to, but it was both uh, of those teams were the first ones out. Yeah. And, and to see, yeah, and the, the Indians, you know, let's be real. The only reason they were in the playoffs is because of their terrible division. Nope. The A's, you know, the AL was so bad that the A's record was incredibly inflated. I still don't understand how they got so hot, though. You know, to the point where they went, didn't they play something like 700 ball from June? Yeah. And so, you know, there was a lot of weird you know stuff that happened this season and a lot of it was due in part to you know a lot of a lot of teams basically tanking because they knew that mm-hmm. they couldn't compete with the Astros and the Yankees and the Red Sox of the world and right. you know, the uh, I'm pretty sure like when draft time comes around you know seven of the first 10 teams or something like that in the in the draft order are going to be American League teams yep and uh yeah, it's you know it's hard to uh, it's hard to see like where what direction the American League is going to go into because now the Red Sox have kind of supplemented the Astros as that super team and they don't seem mm-hmm. to be going away anytime soon. So are teams going to continue to tank or sell off their pieces and enter a rebuilding mode and just wait out the Red Sox and the Astros or? Uh, or some of these teams like the Blue Jays and the Twins and, uh, you know, even someone like maybe the Tigers, you know, are, you know, are they going to start, you know, building, you know, uh, a team to, to actually compete and go for a wild card? Um, and, you know, that that means that the Mariners have to be better because they are not an 89 win team because of the talent on their roster. They're an 89-win team because of the talent of the rest of the American League. And, yep. you know, because they, they took advantage of playing against, you know, you know going 6-1 uh, and one against the, the Orioles and going 6-1 and one against the Rays when the Rays were still, you know, bad. And... Um, they destroyed the central. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it, that, that probably will not be repeated with this specific roster that they have. Because the roster as it sits today is like a 78 to 81 win roster. Yeah. That's, that's without Nelson Cruz. And that's assuming Denard Spann um, isn't back. And even if you bring both of those guys back, they're still probably an 83 to 85 win roster. whoop de doo Yeah, like, and it's, you know, and and 85 wins most years probably gets you into that wild card, maybe. But 89 definitely did, would or would, you know, most years. But that's not, you know, and they've said that that's not what they want. They don't want to play for a one-game playoff. So they're saying all these, you know, all these things and saying all these buzzwords and everything. And 
I just don't see how it works. And obviously, you know, they haven't explicitly said like, hey, we're sticking to this payroll number. So maybe we're completely off base and they are planning to to get up into the 190, 200 uh, tier. But, you know, just looking at it and looking at their history, it's probably not going to happen. And that scares me because if you're not willing to sell off you know, James Paxson and, and, you know, and, and uh, Edwin Diaz, it's kind of, to me, and I'm going to talk about the Seahawks a little here, but it's like the Seahawks not trading Earl Thomas. You know, it's posturing until you can't anymore and you completely lose out. You know, you see with the Seahawks now, they won't get anything for Earl Thomas. You know, they probably, you know, if, you know, if you want a compensatory pick, you know, it, you're probably with considering all their cap space, they're probably going to uh, eliminate their compensatory pick that they would get for Earl. And then mm-hmm. for the Mariners, you know, Paxton will just leave in free agency in two years or three years, whenever he's a free agent. And, you know, Diaz, you can't rely on relievers to be dominant. Like Diaz has been, you know, and, his value will likely never be higher because of how young he is and what he just did this season. And, you know, just if you're not going to go for it, then and you're going to, yeah, you have to, you have to, because, and, and that's fine. And I'm totally fine with them backing off. I don't need to see this team go to a one-game playoff and lose. It's not worth it to me. I want to build a championship team. I don't, you know, because the Mariners and the Mariners fan base are so tortured, and you know, with the playoff drought. But let's not forget what the goal is every Major League Baseball season. It's not to make the playoffs. It's to win the World Series. And I would rather have a you know, a chance to to build a team that can win a World Series by trading off some of these guys, you know, and start building the blocks for for a World Series run in 2022 or 2023, then make a one-game playoff in 2019 yeah. or 2020. I just, you know, whatever they do, if, if for some reason they do go to the 190, 200, you know, uh, area, they... It better be, you know, the the decisions that they make and the players that they they acquire has to be, you know, it has to be smart. It can't be, let's give Bryce Harper an 11-year contract right. because that's the only way we can pull him away from other teams. You know, and I don't think Jerry DePoto is that person to do something like that. And I'm not saying that they would even do that. But... Just saying, like, you know, something along those lines. Well, he hasn't yet as a Mariners GM. Yeah. And the only reason... he's given out was two years in free agency, I think, yeah. to a couple relievers. Yeah. And the only reason that he, you know, that the Angels ever did anything big while he was there was because of the ownership, not really because of DePoto. Yep. Um, yeah. So, I, I don't know. It's. It's just I I, I want to know how serious John Stanton and Co are about this team because we don't, we really don't know they're they're not as secretive as the Nintendo group was, but but they're still we don't hear a lot from them at least in their you know in their willingness to spend you know we hear like he, Stanton the only thing that I've heard is like Stanton has said that he will give jerry flexibility that he has put his face in jerry and if jerry needs something he will give it to jerry so if we're going along those lines then yeah you know maybe going you know higher way higher in payroll works yeah you know just show me and then what John Stanton says it's until you until he starts writing the checks and we start seeing names rolling in I really don't care yeah like th- yeah that's, that's great a lot than words yep so I don't know so yeah we kind of got off into that tangent 
and I I wanted to to lead that or lead that into um, talking about you know how to shave off some payroll in the event that they're going to cap it off at about one seventy five, and yeah. um, you know one of our biggest uh, debates internally with uh, with our staff has been what to do uh, with um, D Gordon and how to you know, find a way to get his $13 million off the books. So uh, one of our state contributors, uh, Kevin Hinckley, I think that's how you say his last name, mm-hmm. um, wrote a very extensive piece on D. Gordon uh, this past week, and you should go read it, uh, sotomojo.com. And, uh, you know, he, he looked at all the options, um that the Mariners potentially could have in uh, getting rid of, you know, D's contract, and not a whole lot of them are very inspiring. Um, you know, Gordon coming off of a really bad year at the plate, his value is probably as low as it's been, and uh, yeah, you're you're probably not going to be able to offload uh, all thirteen million. I think. I think we're kind of undervaluing how his name might play on the market and how teams might look at him as a bounce back candidate. So I don't think he's completely valueless on the, on the, uh, on the trade market, but yeah, it's hard. Uh, it's hard to see. And, and Kevin, uh, proposed that the, um, Mariners trade, a. D. Gordon to the uh, to the Nationals for um, Nick Rackett, uh, one of their uh, farm hands, um, because especially the Mariners need young starting pitching talent. Um, you know, with Max Posey basically being the only starting pitcher that's prominent in their uh, in their farm. So, you know, but even. Even then, you know, uh, the he has the Mariners sending fourteen million in cash to the Nationals to help pay for for some of his contract over the next uh, three years. And uh, you know, even Kevin in our uh, in our uh, private chat, you know, he doesn't even seem very convinced about this deal. You know, it's just there's it's really tough to feel good about anything really dealing with D because. If you do keep him, paying him thirteen million to walk at a one one point five percent clip is gross. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, and uh, you know he's he's a solid defensive second baseman. He had a down year at second base, but that's also probably because of all the things that you know happened with him going to center field and the toe injury and you know the. Canelo thing being on such short notice, so that probably played a part in it. But he's still just a solid defensive second baseman. Yes, he's won a Gold Glove, but he's not awe-inspiring. And then if you play him in center field, he's still going to have to learn because he barely got a chance to play it because of what happened with Cano. And uh, yeah, that doesn't inspire me uh, at all either. So. I don't know. What do you, you know, Colby? What do you think that the Mariners could realistically do, and for for it to to make sense, and for you to feel at least decent coming away from it? Because I don't think any of us will will feel good about whatever transpires out of this, because they, they the Mariners have kind of just dug themselves into a hole, and also just luck has dug themselves into a hole. Um. So yeah, you know, what do you where do you go from here? Yeah. Um so he's got 2 years left and then a vesting option um which probably won't vest. Um just looking at the he needs 600 plate appearances in 2020 or 1200 total between 2019 and 2020 and if last year's uh, D Gordon is the new D Gordon, and there's no way a team's going to give him that many plate appearances. But 
uh, for the time being. For over the next two years, he's due $26.5 million. And then you have to have a uh, $1 million buyout of 2021. So an acquiring team would have to be able to eat $27 million over two years, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, case scenario, honestly, is that the Mariners find somebody to take it all and get nothing back. Like, I I think that's a better scenario than them eating some of the money and getting, like, a mediocre prospect back. Yeah. Um, just because I can get a, a much better player with the $13 million I saved than the six million dollars I save plus the prospect I get right. to come back. So I I think that's the best case scenario. It's also the least likely to happen. Um the other scenario is, you know, you eat some money and you get uh you get a prospect back like Kevin uh mentioned. And on it I I'm not saying I'm against that. I mean because if you can save six million dollars on the payroll this year then you have to consider it. Um, and so I'm fine with that. Um, knowing that you're not going to get anything great. Thing is that you eat all the money or almost all of it. And maybe you actually get a decent prospect back who might be able to help you. Um, that's probably not going to happen. You're probably just better off keeping D Gordon. If you're going to eat all the money. Um, yeah. And the, the other thing you can do um obviously you can keep him and he becomes your second baseman or your center fielder or your full-time utility guy um and the last thing you can do is you can trade him for somebody else who has a uh, a bad contract kind of the classic my headache for your headache type of thing um those are always risky um i wish i had a name to give you off the top of my head of a bad contract swap but i really don't well you Uh, you you mentioned uh, Dexter Fowler or like a Jed Jorko as a potential match. Um, yeah, I, last I, week. I like Fowler um, as a player. Um, he's coming off a really bad year. Things apparently didn't go great in St. Louis, like in terms of a personality mesh this year either. Um, he also is the money's about the same. Um, the difference is is that if you make that swap, then you have to carry Fowler for 2021 as well. Whereas if D Gordon, you don't have to. Um, so I think if the Cardinals were maybe willing to eat some of Fowler's money, um, that would make sense because to me, a guy like Dexter Fowler fits what the, what the uh, Mariners say they want to do a lot more than D Gordon. You know, you talk, you talk about control the zone. D Gordon has never been interested in taking walks as we all saw last year, whereas um, Dexter Fowler, you know, has a 12.6 career walk rate and a 360 on base. He actually has some power. Um, And yeah, he's a good base runner. He's probably better suited for left field, but you have an opening in left field. Um, You know, he can play center. He won't be great out there, but probably about as good as D Gordon, honestly. Um, So, yeah, I mean, he makes some sense to me. Uh, if the Cardinals are willing to help pay for a little bit of that last year. Um, so if, if that happened, I would be happy. Um, mm-hmm. But also uh, I, concerned, I guess would be the right word. But yeah, I think probably the most likely scenario is that D Gordon is going to be on your baseball team. Um, and I just hope it's not in an, everyday capacity like i mean if he plays almost every day but he's doing it in center and left and second and shortstop you know and he's coming in late on pinch running opportunities and things like that then that's fine it's not the best use of 13 million dollars but i mean you can live with it at that point i just i don't yeah starting i don't want d gordon to be in in a position where he has to be in my starting lineup every week or every day so yeah so a player in that similar role is like Ben Zobris, and Zobris is making sixteen million. Um, yep, Zobris so, gets on base. Yeah, so you know that's the thing, and it's just hard for me to to I don't know to look at D and and rationalize 
all this. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's as bad of a player as he was last year. I think there were a lot of factors that played into his poor year because you know, he got off to a great start. Yeah. Uh, it looked like the Mariners had, had easily won that trade. Um, and, and Jerry DePoto looked like a genius and it looked like one of his better trades of, uh, his tenure with the Mariners. And then it kind of just fell apart once, um, you know, Cano got suspended and D had to move to second. And then later that week he fractured his, uh, his big toe, which, you know, that, you know, uh, played a big part in, uh, and his speed, uh, he only stole 30 bases, which is a really good number, you know, on paper for, you know, for any player, really. But uh, not for D, you know, D's a 50, 60 steal guy. He, you know, is supposed to lead the the majors in steals every year or be close to that, you know, going head to head with the likes of Billy Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, you know, so there were clearly things that affected uh, D other than just him, you know, being typical D. Um, I do think that he will be better in 2019. I just don't know if he will be $13 million worth of, you know, better. Um, Probably won't be. Yeah. And so, I don't know. It's It's hard for me to look at it. And, you know, from that standpoint, figuring that he will improve um because you know if you do get rid of him what does that do for your roster you know depending on how much money you give up is the player that you're you're using that money on actually better than d gordon you know because you know the second base market is it's pretty decent, but it's filled with a lot of guys like D. Gordon that have had bad years but have been good players, you know, most of their careers. Like Brian Dozier has been really bad for the Dodgers. Yeah. You know. Um I'd rather have Dozier Gordon. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and you can make an argument for any one of those guys, you know, including D. But I don't know. It's just not being inside the Mariners organization and knowing exactly what their plan is and everything. It's just, it's hard to really get a firm idea of what, of where they can actually cut down costs. Because, you know, another topic that we've, you know, talked about is, excuse me, the Gene Segura situation. Yeah. Uh, You know, if that, is actually like a toxic situation that the Mariners want to remove themselves from, you know, maybe that's the play to get, you know, payroll shaved off. I don't think it's a smart move. I think it's really stupid. I would be very upset with that, but you know, maybe that, maybe that's it. Maybe that's the deal. And, you know, there's just a lot of question marks and I feel that it's harder to to gauge the Mariners than it's than it has been in the past, because you know the farm system now is so young at the top that you know, and and for those that are close to to making their debut, you know, they're coming off of injury. Braden Bishop's coming off of the fracture. You know, Kyle Lewis has had the knee problems. Sam Carlson didn't pitch last year and had Tommy John. You know, Logan Gilbert is a, you know, first round pick from last year and he didn't pitch. And, you know, there's, yeah, there isn't a lot to to trade from. At least last year you had some things to trade from. You know, you had like Nick Neidert. And so, you know, it's just, it's really hard to gauge like interest in certain prospects within the Mariners farm system some because some guys did overachieve a bit that are not you know in the top 30 rankings that may have more value than we expect maybe someone like Darren McCuffin um maybe uh you know Colin Cober is another name that comes to mind yeah but I don't know it's uh, yeah it, it doesn't look great 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and that, and that leads into, you know, you were talking about, uh, during your, you know, your many rants at the beginning, uh, about, you know, the off season plan and, you know, we're going to be, uh, working on this and, uh, trying to get it out for you guys, uh, relatively soon, you know, at the, at the start of the month. So we're about a week away from that. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, Colby, but God, I'm, I'm really struggling here to, uh, to put together a a solid plan. And, um, you know, I, I'm looking at this, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my notepad. I've tried to work out some deals. Um, and a lot of it, I just, I look at it and I don't feel that it makes the Mariners a better team necessarily. You know, I look at, you know, making some deals to get rid of the the arbitration guys like Erasmo Ramirez, um, you know, getting, you know, maybe someone like a Dalton Pompey for him. Uh, God, you know, picking up, you know, Denard Spann's club option and trading him. But that... You know, that doesn't play into the current payroll projection that we have. You know, the payroll projection that you and I have doesn't include Cruz or Span or any of that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, right now, you know, I don't want to give too much away about all this, but, man, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have Nelson Cruz in this, in this plan. I, you know... God, it's it's ugly. <laughs> it really is ugly, and it's you know the best player that I have the Mariners getting is Kevin Kiermeyer right now. Mm-hmm. Which, you know he's a really good player, but he's not going to he's not going to beat the Red Sox for you. Still a big risk, yeah. Yeah, and that's yeah, and like yeah, like you said, it's a big risk. He hasn't been healthy, and we'll and we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, but you know just. Just looking at that, I, I can't find a way to, to, you know, with the current payroll projection that we have, I can't find a way to build a team that can put the Mariners into the conversation with the Astros and the Red Sox, et cetera. Honestly, you know, before, before I let you get, you know, get on with it here, I, I really think that the only move that would put them in that position is a Bryce Harper deal. Yeah. You know? And that's not going to happen. Nope. And so, you know, because I like Patrick Corbin a lot. Mm-hmm. I think he makes this team a lot better. You know, and I like AJ Pollock a lot. So even saying that they, they get both of those players, I still don't think that they can compete with the Red Sox in a seven-game series. Yeah. I, I think... Part of the problem is is that our offseason plan, we have a, ver- a pretty strict uh, no-rebuild policy, um, yeah. mainly because we just don't see any scenario where the Mariners rebuild. Um, and in that, like, if the Mariners were to rebuild, they could save $9 million by trading James Paxson and get some really good prospects for him. So, I mean, could they do something like that and still not fully commit to a rebuild? Maybe I I think teams will call about James Paxson and I think the Mariners will listen. Um, I don't think they'll do it, um, but I think maybe that's a possibility. Um, but yeah, you know, like you said, we're running into issues of trying to trying to find money that we can actually build. And basically, what it's come down to is we have to try and find a you know a trade that involves two players making almost the same thing. Um, for example, one of the things I've been looking at is I've been looking to try and find a home for either Daniel Vogelbach or, uh, Ryan Healy. Um, and when you start looking at the teams that might have interest in that type of player, there's not like a great match in terms of like the Tigers make some sense. He could play first base. They're not going to compete next year. Um, but they don't have like the starting, like you're not going to trade Vogelbach and get Matt Boyd. Like that's yeah. not happening. Yeah. So you, you start to look and you go, well, 
maybe an outfielder or something, and you start looking at the outfield in Detroit, and it's it's pretty bad. I mean, you're not getting Castellanos for Vogelbach. Yeah, for Vogelbach, you're probably getting Mikey Matuk. Yeah, and I like Matuk, but not enough to, like... He's a fourth outfielder. Yeah, yeah. And, like, yeah, and the Mariners kind of already have that in Ben Gamble. Gamble's better. Already. Yeah. Yeah, and Matuk's probably in the middle of those two guys in terms of, like, talent. So it's just, there's nothing there. And then I know that the Royals asked about, um, they asked about Ryan Healy at the deadline. So you kind of start looking for maybe some club control there. And the starting pitching's not very good. Um, Ian Kennedy's a no-go. He's making $13 million. You can't afford him. They're not going to move you know, Brad Keller, maybe, maybe you can get like a Jacob Junis. Yeah. I mean, they're both kind of similar kind of blah major leaguers, young and controllable. Uh, but I like it's just a lot. I would be okay with that, but yeah, yeah, I would too. But it just, it seems like it's just, it's really hard to find deals like that when it's very easy for us to put together a trade package for like Edwin Diaz, say, like that, if we if we put if we allowed Edwin Diaz to be available in our offseason plan, I think most of us would trade him, and I think we could possibly get like six different teams, like trade ideas from six different teams. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, I'm going to trade him to the Braves. Well, I'm trading him to the Rays, or I'm trading him to the Dodgers, or whatever. You know, yeah. uh, but you can't. So we're kind of stuck in. You know, like you right now, I don't have Nelson Cruz in the plans. Um, I just I don't see a way to fit him in with the current. You know, if they trade D. Gordon or Gene Segura, then maybe. But I also don't think they necessarily. I don't think that keeping Nelson Cruz is a priority for them. I think it's something that they would like to do. The Mariners attitude towards Nelson Cruz is the same as their attitude towards winning. Yeah, we'd like to, but. I mean, we're not going to do much about it. Yeah. If if it happens to fall our way, then yeah. But if not, then we're just going to move on. Personally, so I, the only yeah. way that I see them um, getting anywhere higher than 175 is them looking at it like this. Felix is coming off the books next yep. offseason. You get $27 million there. We can afford to go 190 for this year, but this year alone. Yeah. If it gets us that player that, you know, we might not be able to get in 2020. Right. And I think part of that too, is that when we talk about payroll, this is the problem with this exercise is that typically major league teams, they have like a three to five year rolling payroll. So they don't really say like, Hey, you get, you know, $150 million every year. They say, hey, over the next five years, you can spend $750 million. Yeah. So you can spend $200 million one year, but at some point you're going to have to get down to $100 million. And so, yeah, you borrow a little bit from next year, knowing that you have money coming off the cap, off your uh, off your payroll to help pay for this year. It's, it's definitely possible. Um, and who knows, after this year, maybe D. Gordon actually has some trade value. Um, you can, tr- you still have the opportunity to trade James Paxton at that point, more than likely. Um, you know, so yeah, I, that's probably the only scenario. Um, and I would be all for it, but it just, again, it just doesn't seem like something the Mariners are willing to do. And yeah. so it just, yeah, the off season plans this year are tough. Um, last year we had a lot of fun with it. Um, mainly myself and uh, Dan Clark, um, because the Mariners had a lot of money to spend because their ARB guys were ARB one. Um, so they weren't making $9 million. They were making two, you know, yeah. and that's, that stuff adds up. So, I mean, we'll see what happens, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling right now with mine. I'm trying to be creative. Um, and I'm trying to find homes for guys and, all that stuff, but it's really tough when you say, you know, okay, I'm going to go trade for Sonny Gray, and then you look at your payroll and go, well, that's my big move. Like, Sonny Gray, really, that's the biggest move I can make, and right now, it probably is. I just... Yeah. So. And I mean, that's a... 
probably a good move. I mean, Sonny Gray, even yeah, though he's, fine. he's been bad in New York, he could potentially be an ace again, or at least a really good number two. And he's uh, fun. yeah, he's fun. And, and you know, but there's going to be quite a few teams that are interested in him. Yep. And uh, yeah, and then for me, you know, my my big deal right now is is Kevin Kiermaier. Um, the uh, the Rays, you know, injury uh, plagued uh, center fielder. You know, he's kind of on the outside looking into their outfield situation now. He's more like their fourth outfielder, given that Tommy Pham and Austin Meadows and Malik Smith seem to be their uh, their guys. Um, and uh, you know, the, a couple days ago, uh, I I, um, I offered. Uh, I offered this deal to our to our readers of uh, you know, the Mariners getting Kiermaier and uh, utility uh, infielder Rob, Rob uh, yeah I can't talk <laughs> Rob Ref Snyder in uh, uh, in return for um, Mike Zanino and uh, Nick Vincent and Eric Falia and Joey Gerber and uh, yeah and that's that's kind of my the biggest move that I have right now on my offseason plan and um, you know it's really interesting because Zanino is similar to you know Zanino and Kiermaier are very similar to one another in the sense that both have been very inconsistent just they've been inconsistent in different ways Zanino has you know he's had some health issues as well but you know, he's just been really bad at the plate for the most part. He's had one uh, all-star caliber uh, season, which was 2017. It's possible that the reason he was not able to repeat that is because of the, you know, oblique injury and all that that he sustained uh, this season, you know, that played a part in it. But still, I, 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 I'm I off the Mike Zanino train. I, I, I really am. Uh, and uh, I think he could help you get someone like Kiermaier that maybe, you know, with the Mariners uh, finally gets to stay healthy. And, you know, he can swing the bat and he's at, at his healthiest. He's probably, a, you know, top three, maybe even the best defensive center fielder in all of baseball. Uh, he won the Platinum Glove just three years ago or two years ago. and. Uh, I don't know. You know, our, our readers, we ha- you you posted a poll about their thoughts on it, and um, it's pretty much split 50-50, so it seems like, you know, you guys are kind of just on the fence about it, and honestly, so am I that, you know, when I, I even presented that, because, you know, they're, they're, you, you run a great risk in acquiring someone like Kiermaier because of how, uh, how injury-prone he's been, and... Um, yeah, so I just I wanted to to get your take on it, uh, Colby, and uh, see what you think, and you know, see if 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 that is something uh, you believe makes the Mariners better, and taking that risk makes them better, and you know, and I'll I, just to to quickly give you my um, rationale for it. Uh, I looked at it as. Catcher having a hole at catcher will be a lot cheaper to fill, especially mm-hmm. if you want to replace. Especially because it's going to be a lot, you know, pretty easy to replace uh, Zanino's uh, offensive output of last year, uh, roughly. You know, minus the power. You know, it, and you know, and then uh, it'll be cheaper than uh, than spending you know fifteen million dollars on a on a center fielder. Um, you know, like a Kevin Kier- or sorry, Kevin Kier- uh AJ Pollock. Yeah. Um, you know, getting someone like maybe Jonathan Lucroy or Martin mm-hmm. Maldonado. Yep. Uh, that's probably only going to cost you three to five million dollars this year. Mm-hmm. And that's going to give you similar to, if not better, production offensively, and the defense is going to stay roughly the same. Yeah. Um, yeah, overall, I like the deal. I'm a big fan of Kevin Kiermeyer. Um, 
Evan for a while. I think he was in my five, like uh, my five offs under the radar off season target thing that we did on the podcast a while ago. Yeah. Um, if anybody was mention, um, I just I really want the Mariners to go back to what they what they claim their mission statement is, and that is to control the zone and be exceptional, have an exceptional outfield defense and all that stuff. And I don't think you can say that and have D Gordon start in center field for you, you know, or game already for most of the year. I just, I think if, if you really want to have a, the great defensive outfield, it starts in center field. If you don't have a great center fielder, you don't have a great outfield defense. You just don't, there's no way it can happen. You have the two best corner guys in the world. You have a bad center fielder. Your outfield defense sucks. So um, I'm a big fan of Kiermaier. He has a he has a rocket for an arm as well. He can shut down a running game. Um, you know he has some pop at the plate. Uh, like he's really had one terrific year at the plate. Um, they're both roughly the same age. Um, for this year, at least when you add Nick Vincent and Mike Zanino's salary together, it roughly equals that of, uh, actually, I think almost exactly equals that of Kevin Kiermeyer. Yeah. And, you know, Kiermeyer's a risk because he keeps getting hurt and he still has, uh, what is it? Four years of club control left. Yep. But it's a relatively... I mean, it's an absorbable risk. You're talking about eight million dollars this year, and then ten, eleven point five, and twenty, or in twelve million in 2022, with a team option that I like. That that's a really reasonable contract, um, especially for potentially the best center fielder in all of baseball, like defensively. Yeah. Who we have already seen uh, fairly recently um, in 2017. The guy was great at the plate too. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's not like he was bad in 2016. He had a 104 WRC plus, and in 2015, he had a 97 WRC plus. In 2014, he had a 117. Like he's kind of an average-ish hitter. Yeah. Um, As pop. Yeah, he's got a little bit of pop. He can steal a base for you. Um, his value is most definitely defensive and base running. But that's that's fine. That is valuable. I mean, yeah, robbing a home run is the same as hitting a home run, a yeah. solo home run. You know, yeah. a run Kier- saved is a run earned. Kiermaier is very much in that same realm as uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. Yep. And, uh, you know, as if this postseason has shown you anything, you need guys like that on your team. Yeah. The nice thing is about Kiermaier is when slumps he still brings you tremendous value. I mean, that's how good he is defensively. He yeah. is, honestly, he's he's pretty similar to Leonis Martin. Yeah. Uh, and I know that that name causes some Mariner fans to cringe. I don't know why. Leonis is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, is he, except Kiermaier's probably better at everything. Yeah. Uh, and that's know, why I more so put him in that Jackie Bradley Jr. realm. Yeah, I just I I like you stick him at the bottom of the order. He turns the lineup. He's a left-handed bat. I really like Kevin Kiermaier. Um, so I I I voted on this deal and I said you know uh, I like it. Um, the thing that keeps me from loving it is that Kiermaier's contract is long and there's some risk with injury there. But that's the type of Mar- that's the type of player the Mariners can maybe afford. I mean, if there wasn't that risk, Kiermaier wouldn't be available. So. Yeah, Kiermaier is definitely the the best you can do on the trade market uh, yeah. without giving up Pax and Diaz, et cetera. Yep. Uh, yeah, because I also looked at, you know, potentially Billy Hamilton, but Billy Hamilton is so atrocious at the plate that yeah. it's just... Worse, yeah. Worse than D. Gordon. Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I, I just, I don't know, I can't do it with that but you know Kiermaier is really good you know he had the he had a bad year uh the deal that I proposed uh is really nice for the Rays uh if I was if I was a Rays fan I'd be pretty pretty stoked about that honestly because 
you know, Vincent uh, is kind of overlooked in the steal, but Vincent, you know, could supplement Sergio Romo's role uh, in that opener um, uh, thing that they've been doing, you know, because Romo's, Romo's a free agent and uh, the, the Rays are 30th in payroll this year. And uh, that's probably not going to change. So, you know, right. that's, uh, it's not even mentioning you mentioned the three outfielders. That's not mentioning guys like Jake Bowers, who plays left field. Yeah, um, they have a pretty deep farm system, and, and guys who are close. Um, you know, guys like uh, Brandon Lowe. Um, you know, it's just they're pretty stacked at the outfield, and right now their starting catcher is Jose Sucre, or sorry, Jesus Sucre, Sugar yeah. Jesus. Yeah, that is not. Uh, yeah <laughs> yeah you know yeah and then you know and then uh you give him Folia, who's a who's probably going to be a pretty decent fourth outfielder in the mlb um and uh you know and joey gerber is uh probably, probably going to make his mlb debut this year i mean if not this year if not 2019 then early 2020 i mean the guy has a pretty high floor of like a seventh inning, you know, bullpen arm. Yeah. With a pretty decent ceiling of being a, a solid major league closer. I mean, yeah, they get, the Rays get potentially four pieces that can help their major league roster this year. Yeah. Um, so, and like you said, they clear really the only major contract on their books, which gives them a little more flexibility. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think it makes sense for both sides. Um, and also, I'm jealous of the Tampa Bay Rays because their farm system is so good and their major league roster is so young and they're so freaking smart. And that's I just want that for the Mariners more than anything else. Yeah. And by the way, they're dead last in payroll. And they're just, they're better than you at everything. <laughs> it's, it's it's so aggravating. And that's... Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I mean, you know, I, I'm not. I think I've gotten past my frustration with some of the decisions that the Mariners have made, because the regime that has put this team in this specific position is gone, <laughs> and right, you know, uh, three years isn't a whole lot of time to turn things around. And what Jerry Depoto has done in that time, even though that he's missed on quite a few things and should be criticized for that. You know, he's he's at least made a team that's been fun to watch all three years um, and hasn't been a total embarrassment right. on the field, you know. And that's, you know, some most of Zarendic's teams were embarrassments. You know, uh, every year with, with Jerry DePoto at the helm, I've actually watched August baseball. Yeah, which is something that I've never done. I usually I take July and August, like second half of July and then all of August off and then watch a little bit in September. And you know, with DePoto with all three years under DePoto, I've consistently watched uh, the Mariners season. I've probably watched 110 120 games every year. Yeah. And that's because they're, you know, if they're not fun, they're at least competent. And, uh, you know, I've, I've appreciated that. And they're, you know, and, and like I said at the beginning of the podcast, the, the offseason is the most exciting time for, for Mariners fans because of how active Jerry DePoto has been. And that's one thing that I, I will give DePoto credit on is that he's never complacent. That if, you know, if the Mariners aren't going to do, do a whole lot, it's not because of DePoto, it's because of ownership. But even then, I know DePoto is going to try to find ways to get creative and, you know, try to hit on some some of these guys. Uh, and that at least inspires confidence, I guess, because to have a GM that uh, that at least tries is nice to have <laughs> right. you know, there's some comfort in that you know because 
you know, Zarenzik is still here. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> like, you know, what would he have done? <laughs> is Mark Trumbo still on this team? You know, <laughs> like. Probably. Yeah, like, we're, we would basically be the Orioles. And... Yeah, I don't know. I, Hey, man, if the Orioles are smart, they're in a good spot. But it's the Orioles, so yeah. that's probably not going to go well. <laughs> yeah, and so, like, I don't know. I'm just not... I'm not... I, I'm 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 not angry like I used to be as a Mariner fan. I do find hope in certain things, um, and and Jerry Depoto sure. has kind of helped with that. And you know, even though that you know this whole podcast we've been you know ranting and raving about how complicated this has been, and you know trying to gauge where they're at and how you know the outlook for for the off season isn't good. I'm still excited. Because oh, yeah. it's the, we hot have stove. the most active general manager in baseball and by far, and he's not going to sit on his hands at all. Can't and, afford to. Yeah. And uh Yeah, it's it's always fun because I don't know about you, but typically my numbers go something like this. My Novembers and Decembers mostly go something like this. Wake up at 7 a.m. Uh, West Coast time. Watch some stuff about the – watch some uh, MLB network and listen – read a MLB trade rumor. Go on Twitter. Make sure I didn't miss anything from the night before. Then spend the next eight hours constantly refreshing Twitter, hoping that I didn't miss anything else. <laughs> then going online and reading all the rumors from the day. Then I try to go to sleep but wake up at least two more times to check to make sure I didn't miss anything. <laughs> and I repeat the entire time over. And, uh, yeah. Oh, and I missed the part where I comb fan crafts looking for, uh, looking for guys that maybe I want. So it's just, it's fun. It's so much fun. Um, and it's exciting at the time uh, when things happen. Uh, even, like, the minor things I'll get very excited about. Um, so it's just, you know. Things. And hopefully, like he has done the last couple years, Depoto's active early. Uh, his first off season, he gave us the uh, the Nate Carnes deal before Thanksgiving. Uh, second off season, he gave us the Gene Segura trade. Last off season, he gave us the Ryan Healy trade. And those yeah. all happened in like the middle of November. Yeah. So we may be less than a month away from Depoto's first move. Um, and you know, it, it's, Leonis Martin deal was before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You're right. So I mean, yeah, he typically is out there earlier than most guys. And you know, we'll see. I I hope that with the volume of moves comes some really good quality moves. Yeah. Um, but we'll see, and uh, we'll definitely write about everything that comes across our our mentions that involves the Mariners, oh. and uh, have some fun. Yeah. We're going to definitely see uh, pretty early on um, what their plan is um, because they're going to have to make a decision on Nelson Cruz and they're yep. going to have to make a decision on Denard Span. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I think. Well, here, let, let me ask you this. What is your mindset if, say, in the next two weeks, Nelson Cruz is re-signed, and they pick up Denard Span's club option. Um, I think it's pretty bad, honestly. Um, I just because I think that's all they're going to do, and until they spend more than that one hundred whatever seventy-five million dollars, I'm going to believe that that's their max out. So I I think that spending everything you have on those two guys is a mistake, honestly. And it won't change my mind. So yeah, I think well, more so I was just asking like what what is your mindset of what where you think or what you think they're doing? You know, what you think I, their plan is if they do that. I think that is their plan. Yeah. Their plan, just... I think their yeah, I think their plan at that point would be like, well we got really close last year. Let's bring back the exact same team. 
and see if we can get lucky again and maybe even right. a little luckier. So okay. it's just, I, I, I want to see change. Um, and that, that could mean going for it or that can mean sticking around or that can mean uh, starting your rebuild. But I, I want to see significant changes to the roster. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that about does it for us today. Um, you know, it, you know, it's it's hard for us to to figure out where this team is going. Clearly, um, but there's a lot of excitement still, and uh, we should get a better idea of what their plan is um, as soon as the uh, the World Series is over. And you know, the series should be pretty fun to watch. And I'm going to be watching it, and enjoying the the last bit of baseball until March, and um, I'm sure you will be too uh colby and uh yeah we'll just get ready for the off season um potentially the next podcast will be us uh uh talking about our off season plan and working through it and uh our podcast will be a little bit less lonely on that front (laughs) because uh we got got a few uh few of our contributors helping out with uh, the off season plan as well and pretty excited about that because it gives a lot of different uh uh outlooks on uh you know uh what the mariners can do this year so uh it's all exciting uh should be really fun and uh yeah i'm just ready i'm ready to get it going uh should be fun so uh any last uh thoughts there colby uh yeah um you know, go Mariners. Uh, I hope the World Series goes to seven games. Uh, go Seahawks. And for the love of God, John Stanton, back up your words with actions because I'm tired of listening to you. All right. And uh, since you mentioned the Seahawks, I'm, let's throw a little Seahawks talk in there. Uh, uh, what is your prediction for Sunday? Uh, 27-24 Seahawks. Mm. I'm honestly not feeling as good as, <laughs> as I used as, as I was. Then again, uh, Seahawks stopped the run game; they should win. Uh, yeah. If they stop carrying on Johnson, um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go twenty to thirteen, Seahawks. So awesome. there, you, there you have it. Seahawks gonna get a dub this week, uh, and we are very close to uh, Jerry Depoto season beginning. So exciting time to be a Seattle sports fan. Yep. Uh, so uh, be sure to check the site, sotomojo.com. We're going to have plenty of content covering the offseason and previewing everything uh, throughout the uh, this week and beyond. And uh, we hope to see you there. So uh, for Ty Gonzalez and Kobe Patnode, uh, we will see you in another life. Peace.